The major impact of the second wave for me is that with the borders opening up, I have some commitments with clients interstate and we were going to go ahead with those and now they're obviously in doubt and that is something that's hanging over me. We won't have a decision on that for the next little while so it becomes a day-to-day -day proposition as to whether or not I can meet those client obligations. Hello and welcome to the first episode of our Small Business First podcast series. I'm Lucy Kippis, the editor of Flying Solo, and the voice grab you just heard was Kate Christie. She's an author and productivity expert, founder of Time Stylers. Kate is a small business owner from Victoria who's sharing her reaction to the news of Victoria's latest period of lockdown. In today's episode of the podcast, we'll be talking more about that lockdown and other COVID-related news with Cess Busby, the editor of Koshi's Business Builders, followed by my interview with Minister Victor Dominello, New South Wales Minister for Customer Service, who joins us to talk through New South Wales COVID safe measures and how we can put them into practice as small business owners. Hope you enjoy the show. First up, I would like to talk about poor old Victoria, who's back into lockdown. I know that you guys did a story on this on KBB. Do you want to talk us through it a little bit? It's bad news for poor old Victoria, but I guess it could just as easily be New South Wales, so we shouldn't be blowing our own trumpet too much. But, um, yeah, as the other states seem to be easing their restrictions and looking towards opening borders, poor Victoria has had to throw everyone back into lockdown because they've had quite a number of community infections in the past week. There's been like on average 17 new infections every day. Today, 20 new infections. Unfortunately, also the first death um, from COVID-19 in the last month. I don't think we've had one since May. And overnight, there was a, an elderly gentleman passed away from the virus. So it's not looking good for Victoria. There's a lot of um, testing going on, obviously, to try and find out where these community locations are, where the hotspots are, but then they've had a bit of blowback from that as well because so many people are rushing to get tested that the traffic control is, has not been able to cope and the police have had to shut down a number of the test centres in places like Chadstone because the lines of cars waiting to get tested at the mobile testing stations has been blocking the traffic. So they can't win. <laughs> it's not very good. It's just a domino effect, isn't it, to say the least? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's particularly bad as well because they were just, you know, a week or so ago it was looking like all stations... In happier place. Yeah, and happy place and that everything was going to start resuming back to normal from this week and then literally restaurants on Chapel Street, there's been news pieces about how they'd bought all of the, their produce and stuff for the week anticipating reopening and and then now obviously that's all gone food centres and to feed the homeless because they can't keep the food, the fresh produce that they've got in storage to for the likely time that they might be able to reopen them. Not great news. And it certainly brings to mind um, later in the show, we're going to have a conversation with the um, Minister for Customer Service here in New South Wales. And he's talking us through the COVID safe plan. And as he mentions that, you know, it's so important that we in the other states adhere to our plans because we mm. just don't know if this is, you know, Victoria's fate could just as easily be ours. So 
yeah and definitely sure that we are adhering to those regulations is becomes even more important so we can respond more quickly to any change yeah. here yeah definitely everyone still needs to keep all of the social distancing in mind and you know it, it can be easy to be lax but just still keep it top of mind it's it's a virus it's a living thing and it gets transmitted through living things so it's you know wherever we are it can be so be more careful <laughs> and now for some slightly better news um in that our unemployment figures nationally aren't as bad as what we were actually anticipating it's, it's kind of good news tempered with the bad news tempered with the good news because you know the abs has reported unemployment has jumped to 7.1 percent which is actually the highest that we've had in close to 20 years, the last time we had an unemployment rate of that amount was October 2001. But it's not the double digits that they were expecting we were going to have. And um, economists like Comsec is reporting that they believe that it's it's bottomed out, that May was probably the worst month that, that, that we're going to have in terms of unemployment because... Um, that's the month that they saw the the most number of job seeker job. God, can I talk? Job seeker payments in their um, in people's bank accounts. That's when it peaked. So that kind of indicates the level of unemployment. But also that now we're starting to see job ads are slowly increasing. They're on the rise again, and payroll reporting is increasing. So it kind of indicates that maybe we're over the worst. The only thing that we might need to look out for is, of course, the government stimulus, the JobKeeper stuff all finishes in September. So that could potentially be propping up a lot of small businesses. And if they don't have that assistance, are they going to be able to keep maintaining business and employing people? So it's kind of good and bad. Hopefully we are over the worst of it. But also um, in terms of that, they've seen like retail spend in things like coffee shops and stuff is up to and surpassing what it was pre-COVID days. So good. Wow. <laughs> good for the takeaway coffee people. <laughs> Thank goodness for coffee, something we've yeah. said a lot here. times in yeah. the day. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is a really interesting but probably not terribly surprising, but 80% of Australian workers who have been forced to work from home over the past few months, actually want to stay at home and rather not return to the office. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any real surprises there. I mean, the pandemic has pretty much forced the biggest flexible work experiment um, we're ever likely to see in our lifetime on the whole world. And despite everyone going, oh, flexible work and working from home, poo-poo, no, it's it's terrible and no one's going to do their work. Well, actually, everybody did. And under some pretty dire circumstances, yeah. yeah, and everything still managed to get done. So for employees to be going, hey, you know what, give us some flexibility and let us keep working from home at least part-time, I don't think it's unexpected and I think employers should be supportive of it really. Um, I think the figure was actually 86% wanted to continue working from home at least part-time even when business returns to you know inverted commas normal and um, fair enough I say. <laughs> yeah, I too, totally agree. Says thank you so much for sharing all those insights with us and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Ah.
No worries. Thanks for having me. Bye. So the New South Wales government has a terrific resource in the COVID Safe Plan. It's a hugely resourced website that helps us um, directing our business back to business in this new normal, regardless of our type of business and industry. We're joined here today at Small Business First HQ by Minister Victor Dominello, the New South Wales Minister for Customer Service and a representative for the state's COVID Safe Plan. Thanks for joining us You're here. You're welcome with you. Lovely to meet you. Now, compared to the UK and the USA specifically, our experience here in Australia of COVID has been relatively stable, which I think in part can be attributed to excellent social planning measures like the COVID Safe website. Have you had much good feedback from the users of your site? Oh, it's been very overwhelming so far. We've had about 70,000 businesses download the plan and we've had about 6,000 businesses actually register. And again, it's early days, but so far so good. That's excellent news. So our Small Business First audience prioritises getting back to their businesses as soon as possible. And um, obviously things change considerably from week to week at the moment. The COVID Safe Business Safety Plan has a really prominent place on your website, and it's those three steps that I'd really like to cover off today. Um, so the first one is about COVID Safe. So hygiene and safety feels pretty self-explanatory at this stage of, of the pandemic, but is there anything else we need to be considering as small business owners in addition to vigilant hand washing? Yeah, so Lucy, there's always... Um as you said, there's, a, there's an evolving landscape in relation to the pandemic. There's no rule book, so we've got to work together. And the most important thing is to have a plan in place. The, the key components of that, obviously, is around COVID hygiene. Obviously, washing your hands, you know, coughing into your elbow, avoiding physical contact where you can, um, keep your distancing. Again, we're humanly possible, even as we ease restrictions. You don't, you know, avoid the trap of going back into the old world until we get a vaccine. And then another thing is, you know, get contact details. Like, we have to build our COVID muscle up. And that means if there is an outbreak, we can readily go into that community, have the social, uh, you know, the contract tracing, as it were, and then readily respond. You know, it's our ability to respond to outbreaks that will define us. Mm, that's an excellent point. So you've mentioned there recording, um, sorry, on this COVID safe plan, it mentions recording contact details of staff and customers. I assume that meant a personal log or is there some kind of other log that we need to be sharing those details with in terms of the state? Well, the most important thing about the, the log or the register is it's only for COVID purposes. So it goes only to New South Wales Health, so that they can then identify who was in the vicinity at any given time. So again, that we can deal with or respond to an outbreak as necessary. Um, I'm seeing different businesses applied in different ways. Like I've seen, I uh, went to a small bar recently, and as soon as I go in, there's a QR code. You, you put that in, zap that in, pre-fills the form, and you're in. And then it keeps the details for 28 days. So I think. You know, businesses increasingly have to move from a walk-in environment pre-COVID to a uh, check-in environment now and ideally to a book-in environment so we can you know, manage workflows. As you say, so it's, it gets more sophisticated as we, as we learn more about A, the pandemic and B, the best ways to deal with it. Absolutely. And look, I'm a data zealot. You know, the, the more information that we have, the better we can respond. And if we know where there is an outbreak, then... 
rather than you know carpet bombing the whole state with an entire lockdown, which is bad for everyone, we can target the outbreaks and quarantine that, deal with it quickly, and then open up again. And we did that with schools pre you know the the general lockdown. Mm-hmm. If there was a, a, a situation in the school, we didn't shut down every school. We shut down that school for a number of days, went through the, the tracing, then opened it back up, did the cleaning, opened it back up. And that's how we got to respond to businesses as well. Mm. There's also mentioning um, there's an element of looking after your staff or staff wellbeing in the COVID safe plan. Obviously, everyone and everyone's business has had a different reaction to COVID depending on what they sell, how many customers they have, and obviously also in terms of our personal response to the pandemic. So some of our staff might be impacted more than others. What are some of examples of the questions we should be generally asking our staff at this point in time to check in with them and make sure they're feeling okay? I never forget uh, a quote from Richard Branson because as the Minister for Customer Service, you know, customer is paramount. But Richard Branson said um, the most important person in his world is the, uh, is the staff because if you look after your staff, they look after the customer. Um, so, you know, in terms of staff, I, I guess one of the things that we need to really work through are some of the anxiety issues. Yeah. And again, if you've got a COVID-safe plan, uh, you can reassure your staff that you're doing everything you can uh, to create a safe environment. Now, regardless of the pandemic, every employer has an obligation to have a safe workplace under the occupational health and safety laws. With a pandemic, there's another gloss on top of that that we need to apply. Uh, so, you know, you can go get the plan. There's a mentally uh, healthy workplace uh, web uh, page on the website that you can go and download to, again, help staff transition if they've got issues around anxiety and, and to get some level of confidence. But generally speaking, download the plan and that will walk you through how you can keep your staff uh, safe. Excellent. And, and what do you think that small business owners need to be most mindful of in terms of COVID safe planning at the moment? In, in politics, the most important word that is said is momentum. I think the most important word for business is confidence. That is consumer confidence. Because if a customer is not confident to buy, they won't give you their money. Uh, so if a customer is not confident to go into your premises, the door is going to be shut. So my view is, you know, businesses have to show the customer that it is a safe environment. So by downloading the plan, registering it, you can put the big blue dot with a huge tick on it. That then instills confidence. That in turn can then get downloaded onto Google Maps or uploaded into Google Maps so that when increasingly, if there is a spike, if there is a problem, uh, customers will say, now, where is the safest coffee shop? Here's the one with the blue tick because I've seen on Google Maps. Or you know, if I want to go to a, a you know have a haircut or if I want to go and buy some clothes, increasingly I think this is part of our COVID resilience, demonstrating that we're ahead of the curve in terms of building up that confidence. Mm. Now I'd like to talk about the um, registering your business as a COVID safe business. So obviously when you've covered off the safety elements that we've just discussed, we then go and complete the registration. What does this registration actually confirm about our business? Well, it confirms that you're taking it seriously for starters. Like there's a whole lot of people that have gone back into business thinking nothing to see here, there's no problem. Mm -hmm. But I think those businesses are absolutely walking on thin ice because if there is a problem, uh, they will be the first hit. Make no mistake about it. You know, the biggest risk 
to business is reputational risk. Mm -hmm. And if there is an outbreak there and they have not done anything, uh, then all hell will break loose on that business. So they will, it'll be a struggle to ever open up again. So the most important thing to do is to take it seriously. And the best way to demonstrate you're taking it seriously is to, again, download the plan, register, and show not just your staff, but your customers that you're doing everything humanly possible to create a safe environment to work and to shop. Um, and so once we are registered, how do we demonstrate our status as a COVID safe business? Well, then you will have the paraphernalia once right. you're registered to have that blue sticker yep. the, with the big tick. Uh, and you can display that. And when you've got that, uh, there's a QR code so that customers can then report back and say, this was a great business. Uh, people were exercising their social distance or physical distancing. Um, they had the hand sanitizers at the front door. You know, all, all the things that people would expect in a COVID-safe environment. Mm. So the third and final step to show that we're a COVID-safe business is to download and display the, the posters that we're talking about in terms of proving our status so customers can feel confident. Um, would you ever recommend businesses creating their own kind of posters in this regard? Oh, I, I would urge against it. Like, there's already enough clutter in, in the marketplace. Um, the reason that you know, there is a good role for governments here, uh, and that is in, particularly from a public health perspective, you know, everything that we've designed is in concert with uh, New South Wales Health. Uh, we've designed it um, with a business focus in mind. So, you know, ideally people can also become you know, registered with Service New South Wales in service of business. So everything is designed for businesses with this lens. They can do their own thing, but I think the last thing that we need from a public health perspective is uh, clutter and a lot of noise. Uh, we, we need clear communication channels. So ideally, go through uh, the go one through that the we've channels. created. Yeah. Is it enough to simply be displaying um, the posters and the, and the stuff that we've just been talking about? Or should we actually also be regularly communicating with our staff and, and, and our customers too as they're coming through the door? Hi, you're safe here. As you can see, should we be pointing everything out to them? Oh, definitely. And yeah. and I've seen uh, different businesses respond. Like I, I remember I was part of the task force to reopen the economy and myself, the Treasurer and Deputy Premier, uh, and the Premier said, look, you three, please uh, you know, do everything we can to bring us into a COVID-safe uh, environment. And one of my uh, businesses and industries I had to work with was pubs and clubs. I'll never forget speaking to uh, Scott Leach. This was a month or so ago, and he said, look, what we will do is we will now have hygiene officers with vests, you know, walking around our facilities. And that demonstrates that, sure, you've got the blue sticker at the front, but there are people out there communicating, saying, look, you know, don't do this, do that, you know, in a gentle way. Like, we're not in North Korea, uh, where <laughs> we got the big, thank God, yeah. um, where we got the heavy stick. What we're trying to do as a government, particularly in, in the early phases, is to guide people, to educate, to inform, because this is the best way to, to, to get you know, communal response. And we don't want to do the heavy hand, uh, which is that severe lockdown, because that's only in extreme situations. Yeah. So you know, having hygiene officers, but again, it, have a look at the plans and then tailor it to your needs. And if I was a customer walking into a business, I'd be thinking, wow, that is very, I like the fact that they've gone next level mm. to make it even safer for me because that's something I would be talking about. 
if I wanted to take my mum or my dad shopping or my grandparents shopping, I say, no, I don't want you to go there. Go there. They are really good. It's about, it sounds like it's about drip feeding basically a sense of reassurance because all of our anxiety has obviously been raised a bit by this experience. It's hard for it not to have. Of course. So it's sort of that drip feeding reassurance. So you make sure that you've got your hand sanitizers where people can see it. You've got your stickers presented and you're constantly, you know, providing some warm messaging around the fact that you're addressing and you're looking at at the measures and you're and you're committed to safety definitely and and i'm emphasizing the point that we've got to build the covid muscle and when i mean that is it's around compliance until we get the vaccine we've got to build it now for example if you're an athlete you you might have a, a meter or a regatta you know every six months or every year does it mean you don't train until then no it means you train all the time We've got to train our COVID muscle in the event of an outbreak mm-hmm. so that we can respond. If we get lazy and we think, don't worry about the hand wash, don't worry about the, the contacts, don't worry about all the things, that we, then it's going to be very hard to respond because our muscle will be in atrophy. Mm-hmm. But if we keep it strong, then we can respond quickly and keep our economy moving. And we're obviously speaking in New South Wales about the New South Wales plan. I mean, even this week, we're watching changes in Victoria that have happened so swiftly. So it's not hard to imagine that, you know, if there is another wave, that activating an even stronger response will be much easier, as you say, if we're implementing all that we can do now. Absolutely. And there, but like, it's very easy to criticise other states and territories and overseas and the like, but there, but for the grace of God, go us. Exactly. And we will never take it for granted. And that's why we're putting all the things that we can do from a government perspective as a leadership role that we have to try and help the community, empower the community with information to say, build that COVID muscle. And please don't be complacent. You know, COVID's best friend is complacency. Mm. And we can't afford to go backwards in this space. And in terms of of, um, communicating our COVID-safe messaging, would you encourage people to do that on their social media channels as well for their business? Absolutely. I I, Even on my social media, I'm I'm constantly doing it. I was at Mass the other day uh, with with Mum and I I was just highlighting after Mass uh, the the 10 points that I saw that the the church put in place to make it safe. Like, it was was cute. Instead of the uh, holy water... Uh, they had the hand sanitizer. Um, so instead of the plate, uh, they had a QR code. You know, yeah. little things like that. But I, I love technology and data and digital. But, you know, it shows, I guess, one of our greatest strengths of, as a society is our ability to adapt to changing circumstances. Mm-hmm. And this will be a test of our society. And we've demonstrated we can do it. It's a question of do we hold it mm-hmm. or do we become complacent again? Excellent point. So the last question I wanted to ask you is, with all these measures now in place, um, and hopefully we're all adhering to those in our businesses, is it enough to, to get on with business as usual? Because I know, you know, obviously the last couple of months have been very stressful for small business owners and we're really keen to get back out there and start trading again. But is there an element of vigilance that we need to keep moving forward in regards to any changes that might come towards us in the future? No, I definitely would be vigilant around this because until we get a vaccine, and, and the latest I've heard is at best we might get a, a vaccine at the end of the year, early next year, but by the time they get into production phase, we're talking again at best because they haven't got vaccines for some of these other respiratory viruses. Uh, it will be this time next year. So that means for one whole year we're going to have to keep this vigilance up because, again, 
look what's happening in Victoria, look what's happening overseas in, in southern parts of the United States. Mm. So I would definitely focus on customer, putting the customer first and your staff first, and that means looking after their well-being, mm-hmm. putting that front in mind. If you look after their well-being, they'll look after your business. So true. Minister, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all that information. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you.